hello, Jungle Jim, and thank you for that wonderful musical introduction. Man, you're just rocking and rolling over there. There you are in your synthesizer, all in your holiday garb with your big Santa cap on and your your uh, jingle bells over there on the side of that synthesizer and your little Christmas tree and your little menorah. You're all covered up in stockings on the front. My gosh, you're just a, a festive, festive musical director. Hi, this is Tim Marr, that's Jungle Jim, and this is Failing Up, recording this podcast in the Bowles Basement Studio located along the shores of the mighty Seneca River, flowing all the way up to the Great Lake of Ontario which feeds that mighty St. Lawrence Seaway past 1,000 islands out into the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. A little chilly up there this time up here. Of course, to make the left, you're going to find yourself over somehow, somehow, somehow you're going to find yourself over in Toronto, Canada, beautiful Toronto, Canada. And if you go a little more south, somehow you'll get in Buffalo, New York, get into Lake Erie, somehow over a falls or a river or something. Then you get over to Lake Michigan, Huron, all the way up to Lake Superior. Frigid, rough. Great Lakes this time of year. That's right, Jungle Jim. And it's the holiday season. Crazy, stressed out people running around shopping, putting up decorations. You see, you know, like lake competition houses just lit up outside. Of course, that's in this part of the country, in the northeast part of America, but all most of domestic, all of domestic United States, but not always around the world that way. Uh, but today is really a day because um, we're recording this podcast on December eighth of twenty twenty three. And December 8th of 2023, since December 8th of 1980, has always been a really, um, it's one of those dates. Just like yesterday, December 7th was a date that lives in infamy. December 8th to me, and it's not in the same magnitude, obviously, as um, December 7th, but it's close. You know, you have, uh, in my life, there's the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and then there's Martin Luther King, and there's Bobby Kennedy, Pearl Harbor prior to that, and huge, I mean, these are huge tragedies, you know, 9-11, huge tragedies. But then there's there's the assassination of John Lennon. And John Lennon, uh, the murder of John Lennon, a man of peace, you know, and, and uh, one of the greatest songwriters uh, in the last 120 years, without doubt. One of the... Um, uh, you know, originals who, who broke, they were the originals, the Beatles were the originals who broke the British invasion, opened the door for all the other groups. And whatever you want to say, they opened the door for the Rolling Stones, they even wrote songs for the Rolling Stones and the Who, they broke, they opened the doors. The Beatles were, were, were bigger than any, they were a phenomenon. But they were a phenomenon with talent. They were, they were a tremendous phenomenon. And um, each member of the group, they were balanced. And each member of the group, you know, had their own personalities and obviously their own contributions. And Lennon and McCartney were, you know, the songwriting team. And George Harrison really came on, and he was always a great songwriter. But it was Lennon's wit, and Lennon's sharp tongue, and Lennon's perspectives, and and sometimes his anger, uh, and his willingness to speak his mind and to point out things that other people didn't want to hear. Uh, and his brilliant music, his brilliant uh, songwriting, and Lennon's songwriting. Um, with the Beatles was just, you know, melodies and, and rhythmic and all were just fantastic. And then post-Beatles songwriting, just so meaningful, uh, you know, so raw, so transparent, so authentic. And of course, became he became a voice for peace. So when John Lennon was assassinated on December 8th, 1980, in front of the Dakota in uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan, uh, a great music man was a great artist was taken away but also also um an individual who who was part of a band who helped heal a, a nation and, and partly a world uh 
you know, it was 1963 in November that President John F. Kennedy, the young president, the president of hope in the future, was brutally assassinated in Dallas, Texas. And it was February in 1964, uh, only a few months after that, that the Beatles landed in JFK and then, uh, or in New York City and then went on to um, perform on the Ed Sullivan Show on February 9th. And that was the beginning of healing. That was the beginning of a whole new movement. First of all, it was a healing process for a nation that was in despair, and it was opening the door to a whole new world, a whole new cultural, uh, ideological, political, musical, artistic revolution. And it was a generation at that time of, of baby boomers. So anybody from, at that time, I guess you would say 17 to 2, were 2 to 17 were impacted by that. I, I was uh, five years old when all that happened. When the Beatles landed in the U.S., I was five. I actually landed on my birthday. I just turned five the day they landed. And from that point on, the Beatles became a part of my life. They became a, an umbilical cord to my life and many lives. And, and, and the Beatles' music and, and Lennon and the breakup and all that, they became... Um, as much of a part of your life as, as the, the smells of, of, of your family's cooking or um, the familiar uh, handshake of a friend or the, or the, the sound of, um, you know, uh, a train whistle that may have been near your house, something that brings you back. But the Beatles were a part of you. They were an appendage. And many of us, many of us grew up as the Beatles grew up. And as the Beatles grew up and the flood doors opened up and the invasion occurred, many of our lives were going along that route too because as the Beatles were evolving, this huge band, brilliant music, reflecting and in many ways really dictating the trends of the time and the thought processes of the time, as that was happening, many individuals were growing up too. And they were going through their journeys and following those journeys and there was there was this connection and the connection was always the music and the philosophy and um, you know some would say the revolution but as John Lennon um, and the Beatles broke up you know and they started doing solo albums and and it was always exciting to hear you know oh there's a, there's a Beatles singing you know John Lennon and Paul McCartney or Ringo Starr George Harrison and there was always this hope they would come back together because it, you know, it was like a broken family. And if they came back together, it was almost like a part of, of us would be whole. You know, if they came back together, like a part of us would be, be a little bit more whole then, you know. Um, and that's probably the way that, that it was, you know, thought about at that time. Um, there was always a hope. There was always this hope that the Beatles may reunite. You know, because if the Beatles reunited, then the world was going to be okay. You know, if the Beatles came back together, then the world would be okay. And, um, you know, and, and Lennon, Lennon, you know Jungle Jim, I'll tell you a story. Lennon went into seclusion, really into seclusion. First he had his lost weekend, but then Lennon went in, you know, you didn't hear Lennon record a song or sing for five years. For five years, you didn't hear John Lennon sing. Paul McCartney was whistling and singing away with wings, and you'd hear Ringo Starr, and you'd hear George Harrison, but you wouldn't hear John Lennon. And um, he'd be in the news periodically, but not even a lot. And he dropped off the scene. He, he dropped off the world to raise his, his new son. And when Double Fantasy came out in uh, late November and early, you know, before he was assassinated, I remember uh, being in my room and, and hearing it. 
hearing the songs on double, I remember hearing, um, I don't know if it was starting over or whatever the first song that was played. And I was so excited because when I heard his voice and it was on the radio before I bought the album, vinyl, you know, and I heard that voice, it was, it was a voice. It was the, and I hate to say this because they were balanced, but it was the soul of the Beatles and it was the voice that had been missing. And uh, that voice immediately pierced and, and took me back through a, a timeline and back up through a timeline. And it was so comforting and so exciting to hear that voice. You know, that voice who, that hadn't been heard in such a long time. That voice of that man of peace. And he wasn't a saint, of course. Who, ah, who is a saint? But that voice of that man of peace and uh, the excitement that, that he was going to start creating again, creating music again. You know, one of the greatest music men of all time. You know, you can go cross genre with that. Um, courageous man, too. And when, uh, when that voice was snuffed out in such a violent way on that night in December 8th, 1990, that cold winter night in Manhattan, uh, I had just left. I was working teleprompter on the news, and I was on my way home, and it hadn't hit the news yet at 11.30. And I got back to my apartment. Uh, I turned on the television for Monday night. There, then it had hit. Then it had hit. And um, I think for most individuals, it was as if a part of their, not just their innocence, but a part of their um, past had been violated. You know, a part of their, um, this uh, identity that they shared or this, this relationship that they had with, with this great artist. You know, this great artist who, who in many ways, for most of us, in many ways for most of us, and whether you were, you know, 18 in 1964, if you were five, that artist, we carried, we, we went parallel together, different different lives, but, but parallel together. And when that life was snuffed out in such a violent way, a part of us was taken, a part of every individual who um, had been um, on that journey was taken. And I think there was a sadness, a profound sadness when you lose a loved one, a profound sadness. And um, it was if a piece of... Um, a piece of, of, of people, you know, everyone was taken away. You know, a voice was taken away and, and there was a tremendous loss. You know, a loss just like that of, of John F. Kennedy and a loss just like that of Bobby Kennedy and a loss just like that of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, a loss that you're not going to get back, you know, and that was a, a pivotal moment. And, um, uh, and so every time, Jungle Jim, on, on uh, December 8th when this comes along, you know, this day comes along, that, that wound kind of reheals. You know, uh, it doesn't reheal, it opens up. It doesn't reheal, Jimmy Jim, it opens up. And that wound opens up. And, uh, you know, it takes me back all the way to being that little boy watching the Ed Sullivan show or having that Meet the Beatles album as a five year old wearing a Beatles wig in the kindergarten. And, um, and, and the journey that, that, they shared with, with so many, so many of us. And that was robbed because, um, you know, they were coming back. And I don't know if they were coming back as a group, but, but the one who had been missing, the, the, the missing voice of the Beatles, whether as a solo artist again 
or whether somehow they would have maybe sang again together was coming back. And uh, for some reason, in that late November 1980, it seemed as if a missing piece had been placed back into our world. And immediately that piece was ripped back out. And, um, you know, uh, and to this day, um, you know, I, I think of that and, um, and uh, I think we're grateful that we had such a, a profound artist in our lives, you know, and experience. And every generation, I'm sure, has that type of individual in their, in their uh, world that influences them. And, um, you, I mean, you can go through the years. But, but Lennon was different. Lennon wasn't Elvis. You know, Elvis was was the rock and roller, and Elvis made the movies, and Elvis did Elvis in Hawaii. Elvis was a performer. Elvis was an entertainer. You know, Elvis had a great gift in his voice, wonderful voice, good-looking guy. That was Elvis. You know, that, that was Elvis. Uh, and Mick Jagger's not John. Mick Jagger, again, greatest frontman ever in rock and roll, greatest frontman, great rock and roll businessman, blues aficionado, excellent musician and songwriter, along with Keith Richards and that band, but not Lennon, not Bruce Springsteen, not any of them. Not um, Lennon was unique, and he was kind of the first. And he balanced out McCartney, who was, you know, and when you saw when they split, McCartney was, and I believe to this day, is more of a, a love song pop guy. You know, tremendous songwriter. I think anyway, Paul McCartney, no one get mad at me, but he was the pop side of the Beatles. And that came out when he went solo. Lennon was the uh, cutting edge artist, more of the aware poet, more of the sharp edged uh, songwriter, more of the um, play on words kind of guy uh, with a sharp uh, cutting wit in his music and, and who could uh, also uh, write a song that just reflected the Times, uh, Imagine. I think yeah, I think Lennon also wrote one of the greatest Christmas um, songs of all time. So this is Christmas. Great song, great song, and um, and, you, and you saw that, you know, and you, you heard that. But but Lennon was different than them all. You know, Lennon was different than them all in that he was like a you know like a Van Gogh. He wasn't tortured, but like a Van Gogh or anybody else. He was a um, someone who. Um, someone who really reflected society right from his heart, right from his soul. And that's where he wrote from. And I think he, he was true to himself as a writer and a musician, and he was true to those that he, his music he played for. Because I don't think Lennon, um, I think, and I don't know, what, what the you know, Jungle Jim, what the hell do I know? I think he, um, of course he wanted his songs to be appreciated and to be listened to and to be popular and, and be good, and they all were. But I don't think he wrote a song uh, post-Beatles, post-probably mid-Beatles. I don't think he wrote songs within his mind that this is going to be a top you know, hit. I think he wrote songs from his heart that were going to be deliver a message. And I, and I think that, that really separated him in a lot of ways. Um, but every, you know, every, every December 8th, um, this day, uh, a reflection goes back to to Anja, a man I didn't, a man I never met, a man I never even came close to meeting. Um, a beetle wig I wore is the closest I came to him, 
And like many, I felt a closeness to him. And like many, I felt a loss of a family member. And like many, I felt a loss of myself. And I think the greatest tribute to John Lennon is that his words and his songs and the songs of the group that he was with, the songs of the group that he did found, the Beatles, uh, live on. You know, live on for 60 years, over 60 years. The music is still viable today. You know, and the Beatles just put out a, you know, Paul McCartney and uh, Ringo Starr just put out a hit song written by John Lennon where he's performing on it. And it shows that, that the Beatles, of, uh, you know, 60 years later with two of them gone can still have a hit. And that just shows the flexibility and the impact and the influence of this, of this group. And wherever you go in the course of a day, you're going to hear some type of mutilated Beatles song or a Lennon song in some, you know, an elevator. Do people ride elevators anymore? You're going to hear it. You're going to, somewhere in the course of a day, you're going to hear a song written by John Lennon, a Beatles song. And the song Imagine is probably one of the most beautiful songs ever written. You're going to, and, and so, the, and they're timeless and they impact a generation today uh, in a different way, but is um, as deeply in some ways as they did a generation 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 40 years, depending on the song. Um, and that's, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible when you think about that. You think about that, the longevity, but that these guys that were, you know, pop stars in the, in the 60s, rock stars in the 60s, their music still is um, impactful today, still thought-provoking today, uh, still being uh, covered today. You know, it's pretty incredible when you think about that. And um, and that's that that's the, the the loss of Lenin because the loss of Lenin was the loss of uh, unattained unattained art. You know, unattained. It's like someone stole, you know, something very special from you that you knew was going to be special. So here it is December 8th, and here it is uh, thinking of that time, but also most appreciating, appreciating me being able to, as many of us were able to appreciate that, uh, and not so many, because it was 43 years ago. So 43 years ago. So people who were born in 1980 are 43 years old right now. So if you're 40, that's not, you know, I, like, I got to tell you something, you know, 43 ain't no spring chicken. So if you're 43 years old right now, you never experienced Lennon live. You never experienced that excitement and you're still experiencing John Lennon. So um, uh, that's all I got, Jungle Jim. I hear you playing. I know you're a musician. I know you appreciate y'all. This is Tim Marr. That's Jungle Jim. Bye-bye.